Welcome to How Leaders Lead. I'm Kula Callahan here to bring you another edition of Three More Questions with David Novak. David, we've got a great one today. How are you feeling about it? Well, I'm excited about our conversation today, Kula, because we're going to be talking about our podcast that we did with Patrick Lynchoni, uh, the best-selling author and the founder of The Table Group. You know, I've worked with Patrick over the years. He's talked to my leadership teams in the past, and uh, he just really understands the dynamics of building great teams and really uh, understanding who you are as a leader and getting better and better at it. I feel like every time I read one of Patrick's books or listen to a keynote that he gives, I feel like it's just helping me uncover my own blind spots. And your conversation with Patrick is so excellent. It's really rooted in this idea of the power of being vulnerable and helping your team understand how when we recognize our weaknesses, it actually helps us become stronger as a whole unit. And he really is a master at getting teams to work together. And he does a great job at it. Even when a team might not look as talented from the outside, he has this unique ability to help those teams harness their true power and really get big things done. And the thing I particularly like about Patrick is that he's not just an author. He has his own company, The Table Group, and he, you know, he practices what he preaches. So let's get on with the questions, Kula. I'm ready to go. All right, question number one. Over the course of his career, Patrick has consulted a ton of organizations and helped leaders understand how to navigate conflict in a healthy way. He says that it's a leader's job in any meeting they're in to sniff out conflict. And he says if leaders don't mine for conflict and almost provoke it, it will end up coming out in an unhealthy way. In your opinion, David, how can leaders do this well? I think if you know the issues that you're dealing with and the players that are involved, you know where conflict can really arise. So for example, you know, marketing people typically hate price increases and finance people love them. <laughs> you know, so if you know that's what the orientation is when you're in the meeting, say to the finance person, how do you feel about this price increase? And then go to the marketing person and say, how about you? And you get the issue out on the table. So number one, Make sure the issues are surfaced that you know that are there. Don't push them aside. The other thing is, is uh, tell your team that you don't really like to take things offline. I always hated it when people say, let's take this offline. No, get it out on the table right now. Get it over with so that you can literally move on and know the issues that people have on, have on their mind. And the last thing that, that, that I would say is really reward conflict. Let everybody know that you think it is a very good thing. You know, I had this phrase that we used, healthy debate, healthy decision. And if you have that good debate, you're going to make the best decision. And when people raise conflict and, and basically tackle a tough issue that's, and get it out on the table, stop the meeting and say, hey, way to go. That's the kind of honesty and transparency we need around here to get to the best solutions. It's interesting, you know, I've been in meetings in my career where you can feel the tension of the hidden conflict and then no one calls it out. So the meeting ends and you just know that the conflict is going to surface somewhere else. So I feel like in situations like that, people in the meeting are almost looking at the leader to see whether or not he or she understands that there's conflict in the room. So 
while it might be uncomfortable to provoke conflict or healthy debate in those scenarios, it really does a lot in terms of building trust and showing your people that you're in tune with what they're feeling and thinking. Yeah. And and I think one of the key things is, is when you really have a good team, they're not just looking to you to bring up the conflict. You know, they're going to be open and deal with the conflict themselves. And that's why I always felt like it was very important to really commend people when they when they did do it, because that's how you get to the best possible answers. Question number two. Pat says that teamwork is his greatest asset. And in his opinion, talent is overrated and teamwork is underrated. David, what's your point of view on this? I mean, do you agree with that? Not really. You know, I think talent is overrated because it should be overrated. If you don't have talent, you're going to be in real trouble. And I think teamwork should not be underrated because if you don't have a good team, you're definitely not going to get the kind of results that you could get. I think this is one of those classic examples where you need both and you need both in an extreme fashion. You need great people and you need great teams and you need people who will work together and collaborate and take the business to the next level. Now, I will tell you this. There are some teams that don't have a lot of talent that overperform. Sometimes that's just because one plus one plus one plus one equals seven. You know, it's just people are able to to come together and be a lot better than they would be by themselves. And that's always the case. Teamwork is the force multiplier. But the one thing I will tell you is that I always believed in starting with talent and getting those high talent individuals that that had the desire to to be on a team and ultimately lead the team. That's when I think you find pay dirt. This is question 2B. How often in your career did you see unused talent just kind of go to waste because of the way that team was structured or the role that that person was in? I went into a lot of turnaround situations where the teams were there, and very rarely did I have to take the tough action of asking people to leave. I, I basically, in, in most cases, you know, kept everybody on the team, but they performed at a much higher level. And I think that happens for a couple of reasons. Number one, you have high standards for the people and you let them know it. Number two, you get the issues out on the table and say, hey, look, we've got to be a great team here. You know, we can't rely on anybody else to get this stuff done. We've got to work together to get it done. And by the way, if we do our job, we're going to be leading the entire organization to success. And that's what leaders should do. So I think it's the leader's job to bring the potential out of the team members that he or she has. All right. Question number three. I love in your episode with Patrick, when you ask him what leaders can do to avoid crashing and hitting rock bottom, his answer to that question was that leaders need to heal their own wounds before circumstances force them to. I love this idea because it's true in life and in leadership. And David, I want to hear from you. What would you say is the most important thing a leader can do to avoid crashing and burning? There's only so many what I'd call assimilation points one can handle. There's only so many stress points that you can really handle. And let's say you have 100% of your stress points and all of a sudden it goes to 110. You got to know yourself well enough to know that, hey, I'm starting to get a little frazzled here. I'm tired. I'm, I'm just not really performing at the level I could. I need to give myself a break. You know, so many times 
you think working hard is going to get you to the end goal. And that's true. I believe in hard work as much as anybody. But when you work so hard that you lack any kind of balance, you're in real trouble. But I think it's very important for you to have a real understanding of who you are and how you feel when you get to that point where you could crash. The other thing we, we all need, Kula, is we all need truth tellers. You know, we need truth tellers on our team to say, hey, you know, David, you're, you're just, you're getting angry when you never used to get angry. You're, you're impatient when you didn't used to be impatient. What's going on? You want truth tellers on your team that will bring that issues to you. And I'm very fortunate to have a truth teller at home, Wendy. I mean, she has always been able to know when I was really stressed out and I was starting to crack and she'd say, hey, David, you better take it a little bit easier. Find a way to just chill out and and get yourself in the, in the right spot. And last but not least, I think you got to prepare yourself to be full on when you go to go to work. So, you know, that's why every morning I get up and I do my gratitudes Every morning I get up and I work out so I'm physically fit and that gets my energy level up. And, you know, I always try to anticipate what I'm going to go through the day, and where the conflicts can be. So I'm ready for them. And I'm not caught by surprise. And that helps me get stuff done without frying myself. And by the way, I have done that before. I have pushed myself to the point where I was impatient. I was angry. I was short with people, you know, and then I, then you go, oh my God, what did I just do? And when those times happen, the, the, the biggest thing I think you can do is, is apologize to the people that you just afflicted and then realize that, hey, you better cut this out. One thing I thought about when I listened to Patrick's answer to this question about understanding your wounds and healing them before your circumstances force you to was your lifeline exercise. It's one thing to be self-aware in the moment, right? When you're feeling yourself getting anxious or stressed out, you can feel your heart rate rise and you know you need to take a break. But it's also really important to have self-awareness of how your past impacts your present so that you can find some sense of resolve for maybe some of the low points in your past so that you don't bring that into your work and into your leadership. So I think both of your answers are really just about self-awareness and understanding why you are the way you are and what you can do to stay grounded and in a healthy headspace to continue moving forward in a way that feels productive and healthy for you. You know, the lifeline exercise is a good one. And it's basically where you plot your life from the beginning to, to where you are today and the key things that happened in your life that have impacted who you are today. I like this for two reasons, Kula. Number one, you get a higher self-awareness when you look back on your past. Number two, when you share your lifeline with the people who work with you and the people on your team share their lifeline, they understand you better. So they're able to help you navigate a lot of the issues that uh, may come your way because they understand who you are and why you are who you are. It's also just a really beautiful exercise, especially to do with a team of leaders who's trying to achieve a really big goal. Understanding yourself and each other is just so important and makes a huge difference in terms of your ability to achieve the thing that you set out to achieve. Well, 
that wraps our episode of today's three more questions. Thanks again for tuning in to How Leaders Lead. We're on a mission to make the world a better place by developing better leaders. And if you carve out a little time with us each and every week, we'll help you build the confidence you need to lead well. And tune in this Thursday for my conversation with Jim Fish, the CEO of Waste Management. 